Welcome to the Trader Corbett Crypto Show. Today's guest is somebody who um, has got a very interesting project going on, one that I'm really fascinated about, and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it in just a moment. It's a man who has had a lot of success in the past. He's bilingual, fluent in Mandarin, and has also had an exit of a booking company in China as well in 2012, which was when he got into cryptocurrency. My guest today is Matthew Arnett, excuse me, the CEO of PO8 and Ford. So thank you so much for uh, making the time. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Now, you're out in the Bahamas, right? I am. I'm in the most beautiful place in the world right now. Very, very lucky. Look, we're going to get to why you're there in just a minute. But Matthew, if you wouldn't mind just going through and giving us a little bit about your background and what brought you into this blockchain crypto asset space. Okay. So I've, I've, I've lived in China for about uh, 13 or so years. I had my first startup, which was a um, media marketing company. Um, and we did live events. And subsequent to that, we had a ticketing company that sold tickets to those live events. Both of those companies were acquired. Um, and from that time on, I was trying to find where do I go next? And in about 2012, when all of that kind of culminated, I had a, a business partner of mine. He was like, you know, we should really be mining Bitcoin. Um, and I was like, don't know what you're talking about. So he said, let's just trust me. Let's go to Shenzhen. Let's get some rigs. Let's build them. I was like, fine. So we got video cards. We built some rigs. And I always kept asking more and more questions. And obviously, a few years later, uh, I realized in 2015, it was more about the, the underlying technology, the distributed ledger technology. And so that is what I started to focus my attention on more. 2016, just fast forwarding a bit, the governor of the Bahamas said, hey, we want to shift the Bahamas, uh, not just from tourism and finance, but to tech. And we want uh, some of our Bahamian people to step up the plate and, and come up with some solutions and some companies that would help uh, energize the economy. And PO8 is one of them. Right. Well, it's really interesting to hear because, I mean, there's kind of a scramble to a certain extent around the world at the moment, trying to work out how to use blockchain, how to incorporate that uh, very fresh and modern uh, innovative technology into the ecosystem. And it seems to be those smaller countries that um, are really, I guess, grabbing the bull by the horn, so to speak, and, and, and trying to create something special because it is happening very fast. And it tends to be that the bigger countries tend to be air on the side of caution, perhaps for a while too long, but they've got to be relatively careful as well. What's, what's Bahamas actually doing at the moment to um, prop up, uh, support, or, or grow the blockchain and digital asset community? So I, I think, that, I mean, that's great that you have smaller countries that are more agile that we can almost use as testing grounds to come up with solutions. And then you can have, for our population, which is under 400,000, you can say, now let's apply that to maybe a country that has a few million and then so on and so forth. And so that's what's happening. But here in the Bahamas, as a financial capital, we are now taking our platform and our, all of our experience that we've garnered for you know, 100 plus years in the financial industries with, with hundreds of financial institutions and banks. And we've come up with a set of uh, laws uh, that will govern um, digital assets and, and registered exchanges. And I think from all of the feedback we've been hearing, it's one of the most forward thinking uh, sets of guidelines and rules, and they will be in law so people can come and register STOs, utility tokens, non-fungible tokens, exchanges, custody for crypto assets, wallets, so it's the whole gamut. But you can feel uh, quite confident that here's a country that has 
done this for a long time. And the business behind, you know, financial management law uh, is all here. The Bahamas is one of the uh, biggest foundations and trust jurisdictions in the world. And our, our last court of appeal is in London still. So you, you, you have all of these things culminating. You see, hey, this is actually a, a pretty good jurisdiction to be in. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You've got the credibility there as well to match that, which is fantastic. So you talked about non-fungible, uh, not yes. sorry, non-fungible tokens. Do you, want, do you want to go in a bit more about that? Because I haven't heard too much about that. I think it'd be good for the audience to uh, understand that a bit better. So PO8 as, as sort of a tech and asset management company are taking non-fungible tokens and we're trying to push forward what people see non-fungible tokens as being capable of doing. It started with CryptoKitties, the 721s. It was all like digital back digital, in-game. And of course, in-game is great. You know, a market that's about 40 billion globally for gaming and growing every day. But we decided to take this non-fungible token, apply it to tangible assets and also financial instruments, rare collectibles, and to see if those things did not have to move borders, wouldn't it be more seamless and more frictionless to use their intrinsic value as the future of finance. So that is what we've been doing. So when people look at the project and they say, so you guys, uh, you're, you're looking for treasure ships? And we, we always smile at them. We say, no, we, we've already found some. Um, it's just that we decided that for the Bahamas, this was a problem. So let's serve, serve that, solve that problem first. And then let's use those assets, which are very unique assets that no one else will be able to have. So now we have a strategic advantage. There's a license that is in the Bahamas that no one else will really be able to get. That's another strategic advantage. And the value of that industry is about $100 billion. So if we can get about, let's say, in about two years, a billion dollars of assets under management through non-fungible tokens because of these underlying assets in a primary uh, revenue stream, and then in the secondary revenue stream is working with the government to place those artifacts into museums. And that, that, that encourages historical tourism, jobs, social and economic impact. So if you look at the whole picture, it's like, all right, this, this whole blockchain technology thing might actually uh, have some real tangible play here, um, not just for trading, but for actual solving problems and, and creating the future, as we've seen of a lot of, of financial um, plays. So if you're sitting there scratching your head right now as to uh, why are we talking about sunken treasure? The Bahamas is one of the treasure hotspots as it was a shipping route between, uh, was it Central America? And uh, what was the, I don't know what the shipping, but between Spain, I think, and, and the Americas, right? Yes. Yeah, yes, and a correct, lot of ships correct. went so down there because of all the shallow reefs and the way it's yes. all structured. So there is a huge amount of uh, focus there on artifacts and, and finding literally sunken treasure. Now, what, if I understand this correctly, PO8 is positioned in the Bahamas to, and you, and you sound, sounds like you've found some, uh, or you're working with somebody who has found some treasure, which what you're trying to do is effectively tokenize that treasure, much the same as one would tokenize a development or tokenize fine art in the sense that you can create some liquidity for this product and you've, as a, as a token holder, you now own a share perhaps of what that treasure is. And therefore, if you create that secondary market as well, well then you can actually transfer that into whatever currency you wish to do. So is, is that sort of what we're along the lines of here? Correct. So then if you take that non-fungible token, that is the owner of the underlying asset, the underlying asset is put into custodianship, which is the museum. 
Now you take that non-fungible token that has that intrinsic value, be it 10,000 or a million dollars, and you can trade it against other tokenized asset classes like real estate, gold, bonds, equities, IPs. And then you can also leverage those things for loans and other stuff. But using a non-fungible token as an investment vehicle, and this is what we are applying right now currently, and we've already had um, two great beta tests so far. One is where you can have a non-fungible token future on these artifacts. So you've, you found a ship, you want to bring this ship out of the, out of the ground based on history, the cargo list and so on. We know maybe a 50 to 60% what is there, you know, all of these cargo lists, you have to then calculate how much contraband is on board. So you can take, um, take great advantage of buying at this price. And then when it's uh, further discovered, you take advantage of what's, what's, what's been gained in the middle as a future. Also, if you think about buying a, a non-fungible token that is of an artifact that is of a pre-conservation valuation, you may maybe one to two years, we conserve it and we give you a post-conservation valuation. The difference in price is probably going to be 20 or 30%, and that's probably going to happen a year, year and a half, and that's what you gain. So for even if you look at, uh, will this be a, applicable for maybe a, a for funds and, and other investors that want to say, I want to diversify. I, I don't want to just be into just stocks and other plays. I, I want to do some other things. I, if I'm getting 5% at bonds, why wouldn't I do this at, at 15 or 20 or maybe 30%? So you have to think of that. It's possible. And so when we're thinking about how the blockchain uh, ecosystem is going to mature, I think there, there are people like us that take non-fundable tokens. We apply to all of these different scenarios. It's just like science and you see what the outcome is going to be. And I think for us, we're seeing it's going to be a great outcome. But how, how long does it take? I mean, if we consider there's, uh, you've, you've had a discovery, right? Let, let's say that yep. you, each token is, you know, listed based on, you know, each token is the name of the ship, let's say, that, that, that's been discovered or the site name or whatever it may be, right? From, from the moment that you've found the discovery and you've gone, okay, let, let's say you find a cluster of gold coins or something. Mm -hmm. At that point, you can list your futures of that particular project with a, a you know a market cap um, of tokens that can go out there, right? Now, there's a couple of variants. So I'm, I'm looking at the risk side of it now. The risk side is okay. They found something, but yeah. the rest of it's scattered across. Who knows how far? Because who knows how big the storm was, how deep the water was, what the current right. was doing, what the ocean was doing. You know where it was right. in the cargo hull. Because it can be stretched over miles and miles and miles. So, yes, yes, you found the ship that has $400 million worth of assets in it, but now yeah. you've got to get that stuff out of the ground. So Correct. that's, I suppose, the big risk is that, yes, you may have found a huge hoard, but it could literally take years and years and years to get that out, right? Well, it used to take years and years okay. and years. But because of technology, and this is why we always tell people that we're also a robotics company. So we're using the most advanced robotics in the world. So you're, you're looking at certain ROVs and swarm ROVs that can recover uh, treasures much faster than divers. So we're no longer using divers. Uh, in very select uh, scenarios, you will use a diver. Yeah. So all of our ROVs are outfitted just for this. And maybe on a site, you're looking at a few months to recover all of the most important tangible assets that we want to get. Like maybe, maybe we're going to go after the gold and gems first. And then depending on how good the site has been preserved, we will now go and take back a lot of different artifacts, tons of them, because now we take that into a museum and now you can generate more revenue that will come for the next 10 to 15 years with people coming to the museum and seeing it. you retell the story. So our goal from, from our archeology span department is being able to connect these stories and tell people the stories of the ship 
the crew and the precious cargoes that they lost. Okay, so you, so the, the risk of being in the water for a lot longer is, is d- d- diminished. So who has all sure. these RVs? Who has these big ships and these big crews and these big teams? Is it, is it your company or is it the government that you're working with? I mean, how do you have access to this? Because they're, they're very big operations and very expensive. They, they are. So what we, what we did is we put, the I think, the best team in the world together. So we have Dr. David Gallo, who found the Titanic and uh, Missing Air France Flight 447. We have Troy Lang, who used to work with Jeff Bezos. They uh, uncovered the Apollo F1 engines, um, and so when we put, so so we have access to anything in the world. So it's not, and and we are also testing things that maybe would be maybe we would say they'd be military grade and other things like that because of the uniqueness of the environment. Mm. But at the end of the day, let's go past just shipwreck. Let's think about all of the artifacts that exist now that are sitting in museums, and museums are having problems. They can't keep their doors open. We are going to create a liquidity chain and access to a pool, a global pool of investors that can take this secure store of value and say, I want to buy that non-fungible token um, because I know it's sitting in MoMA, I know it's sitting in Guggenheim, and I'm going to own this and I'm going to use it for my finance however I want to. I'm going to trade it, I'm going to leverage it, I'm going to sell it on to someone else. So that is also a great big market for us. And that market is now market. It's not, Mm. I need to go find something market. It's, and we have several partners in the PO8 Museum Foundation, and that is a group of museums, and people are contacting us every day. And we are also closing on a very big brand with a very big IP that we want to tokenize, and it would be the first non-fungible IP token in the, tokenization in the world. And I think that would give also a lot of validity to what we're doing in the blockchain community, especially from a non-fungible token standpoint, because this brand has been around for years, and I think it would shock people and so that's why we're working hard. So we're always kind of pushing the boundaries on non-fungible tokens. And I think you're going to see more and more um, applications when we take products to market for people to buy. And we just have to see how the market is going to react to that. How on earth did you get those guys? Like, you know, found the Titanic. I've watched documentaries on him. And the other dude you mentioned that found uh, the Apollo Angel. I mean, how did you get them on? Are they on the team or you've just got access to them? How, how did you, where are you with that? They're on they're on the team proper. So one is the vice president of exploration. One is the vice president of recovery, search and recovery. I think when people see the long-term picture of what we're doing here, they, they want to buy into this, especially if you've been in this, um, in this industry for a long time. You understand that a lot of these artifacts are almost always sold into private collections. So yeah. the world never gets to enjoy them. So what we're doing is that's again, democratizing Christie's and Sotheby's, they take 30% of the revs when they auction stuff. So let's disrupt that. They don't need, they shouldn't have that. And so all of these guys appreciate that. And then it's about all of the other things that we're doing. For example, our virtual reality, augmented reality department, we're creating new experiences to how people learn. So when you come to a museum, it's not just looking at an artifact, you're going and swimming in a three foot pool and you have virtual reality goggles on and you're seeing a shipwreck scene, you're seeing something that we've recorded before, you see, you can swim a shark, you can do all of these things. And so these are things that from a scientific point of view um, hasn't been done very well to, to kind of bring in the, ed, the um, edutainment, which is entertainment and education together. And I think it excites them and they believe in the vision, especially when you think about what non-fundable tokens could mean to the future of finance. They're just like, wow, let's do this. So, I mean, how long have you been working on the project for? So we've been working on the project for about a year and a half now. 
Yes. Okay, so, so basically yeah. last year's bear market that was uh, pretty brutal. Uh, hopefully we've come out of that now. I think we're definitely seeing a lot more positivity coming into the markets and opinions definitely. are changing, bigger business. And it is starting to look a little bit better, whether or not we are out for good, I don't know. But um, certainly, you know, you were doing the work at the time the work was, was needed. So we're, we're about to see you guys up to now. And I'm just looking through, you know, your, your website and, and the roadmap that you've got here. I mean, it looks like you're about the capital raise side. Is that right? Yeah, so last year, 2017, yeah, 2018, uh, we raised um, $10 million in the privacy, failed very quickly, um, and then we raised a few, few million dollars more. We're going back to the market now, as PO8 is the first uh, security token offering out of the Caribbean, uh, registered and governed and, and by the Bahamas, and we're looking to raise about $50 million. Um, and that money is going to be used for global, global expansion. We've already started to set up offices in Cape Town, South Africa, and we're looking to set up in the Middle East in Bahrain. So, and all of these uh, partnerships come with relationships with the government because at the end of the day, all of these artifacts, shipwrecks, and so on belongs to the government. And then when you have a museum, you always need to tie that into people like the Ministry of Culture, the Ministry of Tourism. So our project always has like multi-layer effects, social and economically. And I think that even as we, we recently successfully um, posted our Reg D for the American market, and we have the European side covered as well with a partner out of London called Tokenized. So mm -hmm. there's so much going on. Uh, and we're, we're hoping more and more as we start to ramp up the marketing, people will see the value in the project. But the value in the project is really about you saying to yourself, I, I believe in non-fungible tokens. I've seen what non-fungible token has already done in the market. I want to back a company that's pushing the boundaries on non-fungible tokens. That's what this is about. It's not about that by like gold and gems. It's all about treasures of the mind. And, and so th this is why we're here. This is why we exist as a community mm. to say, okay, I like this part of the technology. I, I want to see this technology go further. That's why I'm invested in this company. Not because we're going to find a ship for the gold. And that will happen. And it'll be fun. It'll be a very memorable day in history. Because at the end of the day, we all know that you know, most of the big billionaires um, the, the, the Elon Musk and Richard Branson, they're all going off to Mars and leaving us here. So there's got to be someone that explores the sea, right? I'm going to explore the sea. I'll be that explorer. I don't mind. I, I tell you what, it might be about the uh, powers of the mind or sorry, the, uh, the equity of the mind, but the sexy part is definitely about the treasure. That's exciting stuff. I mean, imagine owning <laughs> part of a company it or is. being involved in it and then they find a huge hoard of treasure and you get to see it in the process. I mean, it sounds really, really exciting. But look, let me ask you the question now that we're sort of getting towards the back end of this. Where do we find out more information about the project and what you guys are doing? So anybody can go to poh.io um, and they can communicate with us on Twitter, uh, POA coin. I'm on LinkedIn. They can come and find me. We're always open asking any questions. We're always open because, you know, we really believe in what we're doing. And so everything we do are, is just all about non-fungible tokens. Any collaboration, we're open to it because at the end of the day, it's about helping the market to mature. Um, mm. And so we're, we're, we're never like sort of, no, no, no. We're like, please come, come. What do you want to do? Let's work together because if we don't, if we don't build this trust in what we're doing, None of us will have an industry to play in. And at the end of the day, the blockchain community has become so elitist. People always try to kind of keep this guy out, keep that guy out. And so it's our job to kind of remain level-headed and say, um, you know, let's listen to what people have to say and let's, let's just build, build this community together.
Well, mate, it's been a pleasure talking to you. A very interesting project, no doubt. I wish you all the best of luck. Sounds like you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do, but you've got a lot of pieces in line. So all the best going forward. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. It's Matthew Arnott, CEO of PO8 and 4. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Thank you for having me. Excellent, ladies and gentlemen. Have a fantastic day. Bye for now.